0: This is an ABC podcast. I was loving sitting in the freezer. Anything that I was facing throughout the day that wasn't working well, or the kids were late for school, or I didn't have dinner prepared, or I hadn't got enough work done. Once I got in the freezer, everything just melted away. And then I was able to sort of transform the way my mind works and that actually that stuff doesn't really matter. Once I got used to that four degrees, even though it's still painful on the skin, your whole system just goes, oh. I was really excited about everything that was coming. Did the kids say anything before you left? I think one of them said to me, don't die. And I said, I'm not going to die. I'll be home soon.
1: I'm Elizabeth Kulas. That was Joy Simons. And this week, on days like these, our reporter Michelle Ransom Hughes takes us diving into an icy mountain pond and into a lifetime of swimming with Joy. From the age of nine, Joy is a natural in the pool. She's fast, she's dedicated, and by her teenage years, swimming is everything.
0: I remember being at school going into a PE class, and someone go, "I smell chlorine." I'm like, "Yeah, that's me." Like, oh yeah, that's right, Joy." <laughs> My mum used to say I had um, the killer instinct, and she was right, oh. If someone was in front of me, I didn't like it, and I was going to go out and get them. In
2: 1999, Joy made her first national team, a World Cup tour to Germany, Paris and Italy.
0: I got a, a right, real taste of exactly what I wanted and why I had been swimming. That was the biggest validation to put on that Aussie track set. There were many different moments where I would come out of a training session and I would just feel so strong and so vibrant in who I was and what I was doing. And just as many moments of powerlessness over illness and injury... There was a year I had a toxic liver and then whooping cough and that was a year I went to nationals and won the 100 freestyle. She kept swimming, her body kept protesting. Uh, Ross River fever, chronic fatigue. I've also dislocated fingers. I've had two sets of knee surgery and I dislocated a rib at the front of my chest right before I raced. I was trying to Pour myself into one of those skin suits.
2: <laughs> you know the ones. They're meant to fit like a second skin.
0: I didn't know what I'd done. All I knew was that once my suit was on, I was in a lot of pain trying to breathe. So I go to the marshalling area. I get up and race. Swim so fast, out of my mind, personal best. Um, I've made the final. That's phenomenal, but I dive into the diving well to warm down and I can't breathe. I had to get out of the diving well because I thought I'm going to drown. Her physio's right there on the side. And I looked at him, tears streaming down my face, unable to breathe.
2: He puts Joy straight on the table, feels around for the source of pain, finds the rib. And he pushed it back in. It felt completely normal to Joy to keep swimming through this sort of thing. Her declining mental health, she kept quiet.
0: And I know there's a lot of athletes from my era that have openly said they were depressed when they were swimming, but none of us ever really knew that we were all depressed together. When Joy was 18, she was a real contender for the Sydney Olympic team. I remember coming back from Olympic trials and arguing with mum and dad. And I said, I'm like, I, I swam like shit. The time, I remember the time I went 57-1, but it wasn't fast enough to put me in the final, wasn't fast enough to get a spot on the team, and that was just devastating, soul-destroying. And I've never seen my dad walk out of an argument with one of his kids... <laughs> And he did. They were so proud. And I wasn't.
2: Joy had made the B team. She swallowed her disappointment and continued to swim professionally for another seven years, finally stepping away from competition at 25
0: it was it was a long time to swim lots of injuries but so many good times as well and from that you know i've seen a lot of the world and i i now have my family i met my husband and i have my two beautiful kids because i did so my husband and i run the north side pool in rockhampton the 40 the 42nd battalion memorial pool we get to wake up in the morning and and go for a swim before anyone else gets there. We've got water slides and an 18-hole mini-golf course. I'd like to say the kids absolutely love it, (laughs) but they're kind of over it, yeah. Being in the water
2: is still a big part of how Joy understands herself. In recent years, she's taught swimming and water safety to thousands of kids. She's even swum 20 kilometres around a barrier reef island. But at almost 40... Her body's been through it. On top of the old injuries, she bears the effects of birth trauma from having her son. So given all this, she's looking for a swim that needs body and mind to be in agreement, something that's not just a slog through the kilometres. She hears of a thing called the Ice Mile. Some people think this is the most challenging swim in the
0: world. To... Swim an ice mile, you have to swim the full mile in sub-five-degree water and you have to be alive 45 minutes after the event. Where
2: you might have a gut reaction to the danger in that proposition, Joy sees potential
0: to change how she swims and how she lives. I was so determined to keep moving my body... And in order to be able to be in the cold for such a long period of time, you can't just train the physical, you have to train the mental.
2: With all her usual intensity, Joy spends six months remaking herself to swim an ice mile. She heads to the local Buddhist centre to study calm, abiding meditation. She hauls a second-hand chest freezer to the backyard, fills it with icy water and musters the nerve to climb in and put her face in. Joy learns how to breathe through her nose, not easy for a career swimmer, and tipped off by her dentist, she works with a thing called a bolt score.
0: So a bolt score measures how long you can hold your breath without feeling an air hunger. I don't understand all of the ways in which it works, but the whole idea of doing the freezer training with the breath work and the meditation is to allow your body to turn on its natural internal heater.
2: Let's not forget that to swim a mile, you're going to be in freezing water for roughly half an hour, making hypothermia a real danger. This is why the ice mile is considered an extreme sport.
0: The biggest risk is death. you You can die. I knew that if I trained properly, I would be okay swimmers had done it before me. They had not competed at the level that I'd competed at before. And if at any point my paddler was going to pull me out, I was okay with that.
2: Joy makes her plans, guided by Australia's first ice miler, Wyatt. Wyatt will officiate for Joy and for James, a Sydney doctor who's also going to attempt the mile. Having James there fulfils the rules of the swim, which demand a medical team on site. The nurse will be Alicia, Joy's best friend. They used to swim together as kids, and she wouldn't miss this. To attempt an official ice mile, you first need to swim a kilometre under exactly the same conditions. People usually do this qualifier and then swim the mile a couple of weeks later. But Joy has just this one weekend in Narrago country the
0: snowy mountains, to get both done. As you drive into Threadbow, you turn right and there's a little pond which is where they they collect extra water from the river that they will use to make the snow if they haven't had enough snowfall.
2: On this day in mid-June, the water in Merritt's pond is 3.6 degrees, At one end, two cars are parked in a V. With thrumming motors and fogged-up windows, they make a little wind block. Joy's team is pacing the banks. A handful of people in wet-weather gear, gloves and beanies. And up and down that icy body of water is Joy. Swimming. She's in just a one-piece swimsuit, cap and goggles. Her arms and legs slicing through the water. Pink and mottled. After her, bobs a little safety orange float attached by a rope, as does Lara on a kayak, counting out each hundred-metre
0: lap. I could feel the shock of water on my body, but I had trained so well, it didn't faze me. One, two, three, turn and breathe. My hands turned into instant ice paddles and three strokes, hold, blow, turn and breathe. My feet were solid blocks of ice. My teeth, I'm thinking, my goodness, my, these braces are going to snap off and break. Each individual tooth felt like it shrunk in my head. And I'm like, whoa, that's weird. OK, just keep swimming. It's not a pool, certainly not a pool. And it was a dark brown too. It was almost like dark chocolate. And normally when the water is a colour that makes me feel uncomfortable, I'll close my eyes. Okay, just keep swimming. My hands and feet were ice, but the middle part of my body had completely disappeared. It was almost like a... portal vortex that you see in the sci-fi movies when they put their hand through it and their hand goes on to another world um, but their body is still on, on this world. It was like that. Everything between my armpits and my ankles could have been anywhere else. They could have been on Mars and I wouldn't have known. Just keep swimming. And people had told me that they had seen platypus up there. Keep swimming. I'm in dark chocolate here, you love dark chocolate, and you're looking for platypus, you're going to be fine. My head went to a place where I just was so grateful that Lara was paddling, that Alicia was able to come down, that James was on the side as a doctor if anything went wrong, and that Val, who I've always called my human heater... (laughs) was with me. Breathe. Be grateful. Look for the platypus. I can breathe and see the rain. I can breathe in and see the trees on one side. And I've always loved swimming in the rain. And I didn't realise it, but I was actually swimming underneath a rainbow. And I felt so great the entire kilometre. I, I felt like I could keep going. And I finished, and I oh my goodness, I'm done. Joy's unable to stand alone. Alicia and Val lift her up and out of the water, drape her in towels, and walk her to the cars. I wanted to be dry at this point. I didn't want to bring any cold water with me. So they dried me off naked outside and put me in the car. And they lay it on blanket after blanket after
2: blanket. She has to clench her jaw so as not to bite her tongue while she's in the grip of intense shivering. Her hands shake around wildly.
0: I did sound like a drunk person because I, I could not move my mouth properly. I was I was really just trying to tell him that that was so amazing. Oh, my goodness, that was just... I loved it. Once the blood starts to come back away from the vital organs and out to your extremities, that is where the pain kicks in. I can feel the blood track down my spine and out to my legs. It's like a burn, but it's cold. And it's on the inside, not the outside. Yes, you need to acclimatise to the cold, but most of the training is actually to teach your body not how to get cold we can get cold easily it's about how do you warm up how do i teach my body to rewarm from such cold conditions within 15 minutes
2: she's breathing normally and within 20 has stopped shaking this swim and recovery were almost textbook and joy elated Still rewarming, watches from the car as James enters the pond, taking his turn to qualify. Then after nine laps, a hundred meters shy of the kilometer, the swimming stops. Lara, in the kayak, must tow James back to shore. She struggles across the pond. James is quickly bundled into the car. They drive away.
0: That's really scary. Seeing someone not make it when they are so close and then be rushed away, it shocked me. What was his condition? He was cold. He was the same as what I was when I got out. He had no ability to stand and walk on his own. So watching them get him up and out and into the car was quite scary to watch and yet it was probably no different to what you were like. Other than the fact that, why did he pull out? What stopped him? That
2: night at dinner, the group, with Wyatt included, share theories and stories, and Joy's surprised to hear that in this event, stopping swimming within reach of the title is fairly common.
0: The room was quite dark. They were blackout curtains and I remember waking up at my usual time and of course we're a lot further south than Rockhampton. I remember thinking why is it so dark? What's going on? Um, I had the same thing for breakfast. I'm a little bit superstitious like that. A cup of tea and then trying to do my workout on the floor but there was also that underlying uneasiness of, I don't know how this is going to pan out. Nothing's a given.
2: Back up the mountain to Merritt's pond goes the team.
0: The conditions are forecast to be very similar. I'd had a bit of a snap at Val on the way up the mountain. He was chewing too loudly...
2: Water temperature, 3.3 degrees. Joy runs through the same preparation as the day before, reading, breath-holding, meditation.
0: I remember looking up and seeing Wyatt paddling backwards, drawing out the lane rope. Setting the scene for Joy's official
2: ice mile attempt, which Val is filming for the record. It's a 90-metre course, so she has to do nine loops or 18 laps
0: and I'm just watching and waiting. It's become more windy, whether it's rain or sleet. Um, It's definitely a lot more wet the closer we get to me starting the swim. I had been comfortable with the fact that I might not make it. That's fine. If I don't make it, I don't make it. I'd rather be safe than push myself to make it. No big deal. But all of a sudden, I'm feeling so uneasy about what could go wrong that I'm almost physically sick.
2: At first, Joy's swim is very much like the previous day.
0: My feet turned into ice bricks by the time I started swimming. My hands turned into paddles by halfway down the first lap. Solid blocks of ice. I'm waiting for my body between my armpits and my ankles to disappear into space. It doesn't happen. I'm waiting for my face to go numb, because that's what other people had said had happened to them. For my body to tell me that I can't tell if I'm breathing or not, it doesn't happen. But I could see a light change, it just became darker. The water became darker. It's snowing. It's really snowing now. I was trying to push my body into a happy space. You love swimming in this temperature water. You did it yesterday. You love this. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do love this. That's right.
1: Looking great, Joy!
0: My stroke is long and consistent to start with. And... It starts to drop off. I get about halfway through and my mind is still, I don't know if I'm going to make this. I don't know if I'm going to make this. I don't know if I'm going to make this. Shut up and just swim. Just enjoy it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I do love this. That's right. And I'm looking for platypus. And this actually feels really good. Oh, hang on. I don't know if I'm going to make it. So there were these pockets of joy with the majority of what was really hard. I remember seeing the dirt and the gravel actually come underneath me. I was swimming over another little beach entry and I'm thinking, just get out right there. You could just stand up and walk out and it wouldn't matter. But the fact that I had done so much work to be there and people had given up so much of their time and sacrificed so much for me to be there and try, I kept swimming. Swimming for me, or for a lot of my swimming career, was the equivalent of someone who self-harms. I didn't know any other way. I didn't know any better. I thought this was how it was supposed to be. So I would throw up at least twice every training session, push myself beyond the limits of what my body was capable of doing. And it showed in the fact that I was sick and injured for a lot of the time. When I was growing up, there was lots of times when I felt like it was someone else's fault. I didn't realise that I had a choice that I could stop swimming. It's weird to look back on now because I understand that I had choices, but in the moment, I didn't feel like I did. I felt like there were expectations on everyone expecting me to keep swimming. But when I look back now, that was all in my head.
2: Yeah, Around yeah. the pond they register, Joy's made the 18 laps. You did it, Joy! You did it! Well done. Well done.
1: It's all right. Step up.
0: They had to help me out. They had to get my shoes on because I couldn't move my feet. They stripped me off outside. I got into the car dry. The shivering was intense. What was different was my mental state and I just wanted to close my eyes and I just wanted to rock back and forth and I wanted to cry, I just wanted to cry but I couldn't because I knew if I cried I would lose control of my breathing. I spent 45 minutes shivering, hunched over, rocking back and forth about 30 minutes into it, I had intense pain in my back and in my legs, and I finally got to a point where I just I burst into tears. Alicia said to me, "You're okay." And I said, "That was my entire swimming career in one mile." The person that went into that swim was totally different to the person that came out. It now becomes about listen to your body, enjoy the experience, and if you don't make it, it doesn't matter.
1: Today's story was reported by Michelle Ransom-Hughes. Thanks so much for listening to Days Like These. If you've got a story to share, please get in touch. You can send us a voice memo from your phone or an email. Our address is dayslikethese at abc.net.au. And if you haven't already, do follow Days Like These on the ABC Listen app or wherever you listen so that you never miss an episode. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and a review. It helps new people find the show and we love to hear what you think. Days Like These is hosted by me, Elizabeth Coolass. Today's episode was reported by Michelle Ransom-Hughes and it was made on the lands of the Wiradjuri Woiwurrung, Turubul and Jagera people. The audio was mixed by Matthew Crawford. The supervising producer was Miyuki Yoki Ranta. Our producer is Tamar Cranswick. Our script editor is Sophie Townsend. Our brilliant executive producers are Ian Walker and Tom Wright. And our theme song is Yeah Na by the Gooch Palms courtesy of Ratbag Records and BMG. See you next time. Next time on Days Like These, the extraordinary life and times of performer Jacek Korman. 20 years after fleeing to Australia from communist Poland, Jacek finds his voice while preparing for a role in Baz Luhrmann's epic Moulin Rouge.
2: In the shower, I started practising this Mongolian throat singing. (laughs) (laughs) I gave a sample to, to our musical director and I said, would
1: you find a use for... Something like this.
2: And he said, oh my God. <laughs> yes.
1: It's a discovery that will lead him back to his earliest memories, picking up the language and music of a life that he left behind decades before. That's next week on Days Like These. And while you're waiting for that episode to drop, why not take a listen to another great ABC show, Tall Tales and True?, it's a podcast featuring the best of live storytelling from around Australia. People get up on stage, bear their souls and tell you a great story. A recent episode featured a story told by Paul Kidd about a time that he got laid at his boyfriend's funeral. To hear that and many more stories, you can find Tall Tales and True in the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.